Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. What if I told you that today's guest is an online course expert? She's made loads of money. She's helped a ton of people. And let me read off the names of some of the courses that she has that she's offering her people. Goats 101. Copper deficiency in goats. Coming clean. How to make toxin-free soap without breaking the bank. And that's soap out of goat milk. Goat breeding. Just kidding and raising kids. Like kids, like goat kids. And Goats 365, a membership website. This is Deborah Neiman, our special guest today from thriftyhomesteader.com. And she's run a successful business that she's had for a while. And in this episode today, you're gonna hear a lot of the mistakes she's made, but more incredibly, the amazing success that she's had starting online courses. Now, she didn't start with online courses. She started with something else that proved to not be as fruitful. So we're gonna go over the entire story today. I'm so, so grateful to have Deborah on today. She and I actually met each other at Podcast Movement in 2019 and had a great time chatting with each other. And I just asked her right on the spot. I actually had heard about her before on several other platforms talking about her success with her online courses. And I almost felt like, she was a celebrity to me, and I kind of was a little shy in asking her to come on, on the show. And you'll see she's amazing. She's got some great advice. She's learned a lot of lessons, has a lot of just, hey, if I were to do this again, this is what I would do. So a lot of information in this particular episode. Stick around. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he once created a clothing line that had only one customer in high school, Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here, and welcome to session 421 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you. My name is Pat Flynn. I'm here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people, too. And today we're talking online courses, and specifically with Deborah Neiman from, again, thriftyhomesteader.com and her successful courses like Goats 101, which is over $100, as well as her free course, Copper Deficiency in Goats, which has helped thousands of people come into her system. I mean, just loads of amazing content. You're about to hear it, so let's not wait any further. Let's welcome Deborah from thriftyhomesteader.com. Deborah, welcome to the SPI podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for inviting me. This is gonna be fun. I'm so excited. So when people ask you, what do you do? How do you respond? 
I help people raise their goats without losing their mind or going broke. Goats, like goats, bah, goats? <laughs> yes. Is that the sound that goats make? I don't even know. Yeah, it's pretty close. They, goats are more meh with an M at the front and sheep are more bah with a B at the front. Oh, okay. I didn't know that <laughs> distinction. <laughs> but I do know that you've been wildly successful online teaching people about goats. So when you say you teach people uh, about goats without going crazy or going broke, like what does that mean exactly? Well, there is a ton of conflicting information online. And so typically, like the first email I get from somebody or message on social media is, this is my problem. And I've read this online and I've read this online and I don't know what to do. And so that's the losing your mind part because it's very confusing. And then the going broke part is because there are so many people online who say that you have to have this ginormous list of drugs and supplements and and everything to keep your goat alive. And, And everything your goat does is like a symptom that it's dying. And so many people, like I just cannot believe... Just a couple days ago, I got an email from a woman who had read a uh, one of my blog posts, and her first thing, her first sentence was, "I think I'm killing my goats with with kindness," and she had a list of about eight supplements that she was giving her goats. And I said, "You're absolutely right. I don't even know where to begin, but I think you've probably got some deficiency and some toxicity issues going on here." Because you are giving so many different things. And I really could not even begin to tell you how they're all interacting with each other. So these are the kinds of daily issues that you have and when it comes to solving problems with goats. So your target audience are people who are raising goats. Are these farmers or just kind of more for hobbyists? And who, who are they exactly? Usually there are people who um, just have a few goats either as pets or because they want their own milk supply. Got it. Okay. And so we're, this is an online business show, but you're talking about goats with is something that typically isn't talked about online. It's a very sort of rural thing. Rural, rural I can't even say that word. Uh, rural. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to leave that in because that's kind of weird. But tell me how like this all started online for you. Were you always with goats? And, and, and when did this kind of progress into the, uh, an online thing for you? Well, I, we moved to the country in 2002 because we wanted to grow our own food organically. And I love goat cheese and thought it was insane that it was like a dollar an ounce back then even. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to get a couple goats so I can make my own goat cheese. And after a couple of years, my goats started dying. They weren't getting pregnant. They weren't staying pregnant. And I didn't know why. I took them to four or five different vets who all did not know why. And so I started doing research because it was either get rid of the goats or figure this out. And I ultimately figured out that our main problem was that the goats were copper deficient. And in the meantime, I was also doing all this other homesteading stuff like gardening and chickens and making soap and making cheese. And people were asking me in the real world to teach them. And it all started out in my kitchen with people coming to my house and me showing like one person. And then I thought, okay, this is getting ridiculous. (laughs) So I started doing courses so that like I would have up to eight people in a class. And then I started getting phone calls from people who said, hey, so-and-so told me that you taught her how to make cheese or how to make soap. Could you speak at this conference? And then that progressed all the way to the point where I was speaking at the very first Mother Earth News Fair that ever happened in 2010 in Pennsylvania. And that is where a publisher discovered me and said, have you ever thought about writing a book? So I started writing books. 
And I thought, cause like I had also had a blog and I thought, you know, that like, oh, you have a blog, you get discovered by a publisher, you write books and then you get rich. <laughs> <laughs> but. And you know, it doesn't work that way. No. So I worked my tail off. I wound up signing multiple book contracts. I was well into writing the second book, book contract. I'd already signed a contract for the third one when I realized I could make more money at McDonald's than writing books. And my books were considered really successful. I mean, they sold out, you know, the first print run of 5,000 sold out with like within like nine months or so, which made my publisher very happy. But, you know, when you look at what you get for a traditional royalty, it does not add up to very much. And so I really struggled for quite a few years. And then um, I started teaching online for the University of Massachusetts which is a little more money than writing books, but not much. <laughs> and then I finally discovered online classes, you know, like what all of us are familiar with, you know, um, like the classes you teach on podcasting and thought, wow, I could teach people how to do all of these things in online classes. So that's what I started doing. So was there any worry about the sort of technological aspect of taking things online or, uh, and, and putting it into a course, was there any reservation behind putting that information in a course when normally you would teach these things sort of in, in person or, or in a book? Right. So actually there wasn't. And this is one thing I'm so glad you asked this because I hear so many people say, oh, I don't have any background in teaching. And really, I feel like that slowed me down so much because I had a couple thousand people in an online group that I moderated for people who were raising goats. And I kept telling them, I'm making an online course for you. And I mistakenly thought initially that I could just take my university course and put it into a different format for other people. Mm -hmm. And then I, and I had almost completely finished that when, when I became familiar with like, you know, the kind of courses you teach and everybody else. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is never going to work in the private space. Because an online course involves like a lot of research, a lot of assignments and that is not what the the online public course space is like. So I completely trashed that and said, okay, I am going to have my son follow me around with an iPad and video record everything in one of my on-farm courses. So I had my on-farm class and he did. He followed me around all day long recording all of that. And I thought, I'm going to upload all of this. And then I discovered that doesn't work either because the sound quality wasn't good enough. And then thank goodness, I finally discovered Teachable and I saw an online course um, about how to put a course on Teachable. And from that point on, things got much better. You know, I put a course on Teachable and the rest is history. That's all. That's awesome. And it sounds like you had a, a couple misfires at the start, but you kept going. And that's really great. I think that there's a big lesson in there. I'm curious, in that course you took about creating online courses, what was the big thing for you that shifted that mindset? What what actually made it possible for you to do this uh, that you learned from that course? Just seeing how easy it was, really, that, you know, in my head, I kind of felt like, oh, this is going to be so hard. It's going to be so much work. And when I saw that course, I realized that it, it really wasn't that complicated. And Teachable is, I find it very intuitive. And I actually signed up for their paid plan when they were doing a big promo one time. And they said that they were going to you would get two free hours of concierge onboarding. And I thought, oh, that's great. You know, mm -hmm. I'll get all this help. 
and I never used it because I didn't need it. That's funny. That that that's awesome. I'm I'm curious at the start in terms of how you actually marketed this. Um, once the course was up and running, and and Teachable is fantastic. I'm an affiliate and an advisor for the company as well, and have gotten very familiar with them. I agree, they're very simple. This is, by the way, not a commercial for Teachable. But actually, before we even get to the marketing, let's get to some of the results. So you you put this online. You teach people how to manage and, and the goats essentially and keep them alive. If you don't mind sharing, like, what are some numbers that you could share with us to to kind of put into perspective just what this has done for you? The very first course was called Goats 101. And and here's the thing, too. I thought, oh, I'm just going to have a VA take my book and outline it and put it all into PowerPoints. And then I'm going to record over those. And I discovered that actually what I had in my books was way, way, way more. Mm -hmm. So Goats 101 is like seven hours of video. And it's maybe, I don't think it's even half of the book, but it's all of the really basic stuff. And I had just the launch of that. I sent an email to the 2000 people who had been in my goat group for several years and 50 people bought the course. So I, which I was really ecstatic about, I was really excited about that. It went really well. And then, um, how much did you sell that course for? So I was very nervous about it. And so I priced it at 129. But then that first group of people, I told them it was half price. Okay. But still 50 people. I mean, that validates it for you. That, that must have been really exciting. Yeah, it was. It was very exciting. And I kind of, and I really wish that I hadn't marked it down that far, but hindsight's 2020. And, of course. you know, it worked. So, like you said, it validated it for me. And I knew that it was something people wanted. And that I got all completely positive feedback on that. Nobody asked for a refund. So it was, it was great. That's great. Okay. So 50. And so do you bring the price point back to the 129 and start selling it more? And I know you have other courses too. What, what right. sort of happened after that moment? So after that, I kind of thought, how am I going to grow my list? And where am I going to find more people? Because I had had that online group for about five or six years at that point. So like I, it had taken me five or six years to build that list of 2000 people. And so I heard about how, you know, like, oh, you can have a free course to get people into your funnel and on your mailing list. And so I was going to do something really boring, like goat housing. And, <laughs> and then luckily, I heard somebody say, look in your blog and see what works really well. Like, you know, see what gets a lot of shares, what has the most traffic, what gets you know, the most reach and engagement when you share it on Facebook and other social media. And that happened to be every single thing I wrote about copper deficiency in goats. It would just blow up every time. And I thought I can't possibly write more about it, but then people would have more questions and I would write more. And I think I have like three or four blog posts about that. Every time I share it on Facebook, it gets thousands of the reaches is in the thousands. And so I did a free course on copper deficiency and immediately, like there were hundreds of people signing up and I was just blown away. Like I, I, you know, get up in the morning and I go to my computer and I had it set so that I would get an email every time somebody signed up for a free course. Yeah. And you're probably getting dinged all day, weren't you? Yeah. And my whole page, cause I have like you know, 50 emails on a page, like the whole page was so-and-so signed up for your course, so-and-so. And so I immediately went and turned that off because it was like within <laughs> the first 24 hours, I had four or 500 people sign up for it. And I was like, 
oh, thank goodness I didn't do housing for goats because nobody would have cared that much about housing, you know? And so within a couple of weeks, there were over a thousand people signed up for that. And now I've had over 4,000 people sign up for that. That's the primary way that people wind up on my email list now is, is that they find that course. And so I have now I have several paid courses. In addition to Goats 101, I've got a course called Just Kidding and Raising Kids, which is all about birthing um, and raising kids. I've got a course on soap making and I have a membership program. And the membership program is like five courses in that. And I'm uploading new stuff every month. And I have a premium membership program where people get my cell phone number for texting. And we have two monthly Q&As on Zoom. Well, it sounds like you built an incredible business, which is just awesome. I love hearing these kinds of stories. I, I want to go back to a couple things that you mentioned. First of all, like with all the courses that you have available, like how many students would you say have gone through your coursework at this point? The total number is over 5,000 people who've gone through the course. Over 5,000. How does that income compare to like book writing and, and those kinds of things? Oh my goodness. I, let's see. I think 80 per, 70, 80% of my income is for my online courses. So it's way, way more money than books. In fact, I keep saying I'm not going to do another book. My publisher talked me into doing another book. Well, the book could lead potentially now that you have these courses and such uh, more people into the courses. So maybe it's not a direct ROI from that initial purchase, but it could lead uh, more people into your courses maybe. Right. Yeah. So I do have another book coming out in June and it's called Goats Giving Birth. And so, yeah, so I'm hoping that will lead more people to the goat birthing course because, you know, after reading about it, then they'll want to actually see all of the birth videos um, that I created because I have videos in there of 20 kids being born as well as like kids who had problems like hypothermia, hypoglycemia, dehydration, and, you know, how you deal with all of those things. You're the goat whisperer. <laughs> I'm sure you've been called that before. I, I, I guarantee it. On the, like you had mentioned a bunch of courses and then you mentioned this one called soap making, which mm -hmm. is seemingly sort of outside of the realm of goats. But what was your thought process in creating something like that, which is more, you know, when we talk about vertical marketing, it's like sticking with one thing and, and offering as many things as you can about that. And this seems like a, a play on going a little bit more horizontal, something that could relate to the type of person, but not ex exactly about goats. H how did that course go? Any like, tell us a story about that course. That came to be because in my books, I do have recipes and instructions for making soap using goat's milk. Oh, okay. So it is, it, it's sort of a, a halfway sort of uh, adjustment from, from just goats in general. Right. Yeah. How have people responded to that one? Good. And in fact, I think I'm going to play that one up a little bit more now with the current challenges that we're facing. A lot of people are looking at wanting to be more self-reliant. Totally. And, you know, like, well, how do you make soap? Because like that is not a concern we had. Like I have lots of soap in the house and we have the ability to make lots more. So we're fine. How has your business, if you don't mind me asking, been impacted by sort of what's going on now with COVID-19 and, and that sort of thing? Are you noticing, you know, any major shifts or is it sort of business as usual? It's been pretty much the way it's been pretty much business as usual, which it surprised me a little bit. 
I was actually planning to do like a traditional relaunch of the birthing course last week. Mm-hmm. And after things started to not look so good for the world, I thought, mm, this doesn't really sound like the kind of time to do it. So I did send out an email that said, okay, you know, I really struggled with whether or not I should send out this email, but if you have pregnant goats, um, they're going to give birth regardless of what else is happening in the world. And so if you need this information, I just want you to know that, you know, my goat birthing course is here for you. And some people signed up. So that's good. Yeah, that's great. I mean, people are still buying things. They still need need things. Uh, we were right in the middle of a launch for Power Up Podcasting when all this was s- sort of spiraling out of control. And we sent a very honest email with uh, to our audience as well, basically saying, you know, hey, we're going to pull back the the marketing plan. We're not going to send you a load of emails and, and 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 any of that stuff. But this course is available to you, and the launch ends on this date. However, if you need more time or you want to come back later to it, we'll honor the bonuses and the discount uh, during that time. And you know, people really appreciated that. Yet we still sold, you know, uh, several several courses and a lot of people are using this opportunity to start a podcast, which is which is pretty, pretty amazing. But I want to go back to when you first started launching your courses, marketing and marketing can be a, a huge struggle. I think, uh, you know, it's one thing to put a course together. It's another to actually go out there and have the confidence to sell it. How did, how did you end up getting it in front of your audience? Did you do any special type of promotion or was it just sort of a flip the switch on and see what happens sort of situation? I got Jeff Walker's book launch. Mm-hmm. And kind of combined, <laughs> I, I used information from the seed launch chapter. You know, I emailed my list and said, you know, I'm working on a course. What do you want in a course? What would be helpful to you? And and then pretty much, you know, so I got feedback from people about what they wanted so that I could be sure that I included all of that. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much just followed his launch formula in the book. A video series essentially leading up to, to the launch day? No, just emails. Oh, just, just email. Mm-hmm. That's great. And how did you, if you remi- if you might remember, or when you do launches now, what are the types of things that you're talking about in the email besides just, hey, here's a course, it's available. Do you have any specific strategies or things perhaps that you could take from Jeff and, and share with us that are working really well for you? One of the things that I do is I talk about my experiences when I was a new goat owner and how it was very frustrating for me to get conflicting information online and that, you know, I was lucky enough to find a mentor or two who I trusted, who was experienced, and so that I could go to them instead of just, you know, going... Because I started when I started, Yahoo groups were like the thing. <laughs> and, you know, and I got the same kind of conflicting information on Yahoo groups, you know, 18 years ago that people are getting on Facebook groups today. And so I put a lot of information in there so that they know that I can, I'm empathizing. I know where they're coming from. I guess that's the main thing I do in the emails and talk about like some of our birth stories, like some of the first, like my first, our first birth stories were hilarious because we really had no idea what we were doing. (laughs) I love it. It shows like empathy. Like you said, I think that's, that's absolutely important. Um, you had mentioned that you are becoming a resource for people amongst all the noise, all the, amongst all the confusion and c- conflicting information out there. How do you position yourself as somebody who can become that expert? And like, how do you specifically do that? Because I would imagine that for some, they might feel, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna share my own experience. And guess what? It's gonna add more noise. And, and how do you position yourself 
as an authority in this space uh, while people are confused? I tend to quote a lot of expert sources. Um, I have every vet textbook that's ever been published in the last 15, 20 years for goats. And so instead of just saying, this is what worked for us, I actually quote the research. And I also, since I teach college, I have access to the libraries, subscriptions to scholarly journals. And so I talk about the research and, and that's one of the things that people tell me they really like about me is that I'm not just saying do this because it worked for me. I'm saying, you know, yeah, this worked for me and I, it saved my goats lives, but it's what the research says. Like I didn't just do this because, you know, Joe Smith down the street said it worked for him. I did it because I read all of the research and the research led me to do this. That's really great. I think that's really smart. Essentially, you're just showing proof of what it is you're talking about. And proof comes in many fashions. For you, it's coming from studies and things that only you or many other people don't really want to get access to, but 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 you do and you kind of own that. And I think that's fantastic. For me, my proof was, uh, well, let me show you how I did it and the mistakes I made and what worked and what didn't. And so it was showing up, but this was different than other people in the blogging space back in 2008 when I started who were just essentially regurgitating everybody else's stuff, but they didn't have their own case studies. So I leaned into that. So I think it's really important for everybody listening. When you are teaching, how, how might you also differentiate yourself and how would you prove that what it is that you're teaching is actually working or is actually correct? And, I, and, and, and thank you for sharing that. How many years have you been doing online courses now at this point? Three years this month. Three years this month. Congratulations on the anniversary, by the way, uh, and, and for being here. I want to know if you could go back and do it all over again, what would you do differently? Or what's one thing that you wish you had learned sooner in, in the online course process? Start your email list. <laughs> <laughs> so start the email list uh, sooner. I had, so my website, Thrifty Homesteader, I have had since 2011. And I only started my email list four years ago. And it started with those 2000 people that were in that online group. And it, it was a group that I had access to their emails. So thank goodness I had access to those 2000 people's emails. Because, you know, like if you have a Facebook group, you don't have access to people's emails. So this is a name group, which I have to pay for. But I still keep paying for it because people still keep coming through there, even though the traffic's nothing like it was five years ago. Right. And, and that's Ning, N-I-N-G? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Is the platform. But yeah, I started, I couldn't believe how fast people signed up. Like as soon as I put the, because I got ConvertKit, as soon as I put the sign up things on my website, like I, there were like 500 people who signed up, you know, within weeks. Yeah, I just couldn't, I was shocked. I was like, oh my goodness. And that was from your website. How are they getting to your website? Mostly, so like 70% through Google and a, well, actually like six, about now it's about 60% through Google, 10 or 20%. And then the rest of it is split up between um, directly through, you know, from my emails and then from Facebook and Pinterest are the, the big ways that they get there besides Google. But back then it was like probably 80% or more was coming from Google. Yeah, Google's definitely changed since then, but we've also had a lot of other things that have uh, come about to house communities to then find your stuff. So yeah, Pinterest I know is huge for some. And so th thank you for that insight. Um, 
few more questions for you, Deborah, because I'm just so fascinated by this goat story. And you can, I, I promise you, I'm going to be using this episode as an example many, many times in the future when people go, well, I don't think I have anything I can create a course about. And it's like, well, check out this goat episode with, with Deborah. She's amazing. <laughs> uh, so thank you for that. Um, when it comes to having multiple courses, how are you cross-promoting, if at all, the courses and what's the sort of cadence for having a person journey from one to the next? And how, how are you managing that? Because I know it can get pretty complicated once you start to introduce more uh, options. Yes, it did start to get complicated. And that's why I decided that I had enough courses and I wanted to provide more information and in areas that were not super huge. You know, like I wanted to do cheese making, but I didn't want to have another whole separate course to sell. And so like cheese making is part of my membership. I put soap making into the membership. I've got something in the membership about businesses and mm-hmm. like that big one because I really love talking about the business aspect of having goats, but I didn't want to create like a whole course on the business part of goats and like using social media for, you know, your soap business or your cheese business or whatever. So I put that into the membership. Because one of the things I did early on was I thought, oh, after once I had four courses, which was Goats 101, the birthing course, Parasites in Goats, and Soap Making. And Parasites is like all interviewing experts, like PhDs and veterinary uh, medicine doctors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So once I had those four courses, I thought, oh, well, maybe for people who don't want to buy... I will provide the opportunity for them to rent all four of the courses, you know? So I put that out there for $19 a month. And I got some really super angry emails from people who had purchased the courses because they thought I was taking away their course that they'd purchased. They're like, I can't believe you're going to make me, you know, I'm like, no, no. Right. Because you sold them for one-time payments and then now you're putting them in a monthly plan and it's a change for sure. Right. And so like if somebody only bought Goats 101, I thought, well, maybe they would still want to do the rent, you know, like because they wanted to look at these other courses. So that's why I didn't exclude people who had bought in the emails, but it just caused huge confusion. So I was like, okay, not going to do that again. So how are you managing that uh, courses versus the membership at this point? So I presented it as a membership and I do not sell the Parasite course anymore. So if you want the Parasite course, and I didn't even mention that I, because before everything that was available was stuff that people could have bought. And so that was why I created the membership and created courses that were specifically for the membership. And the only thing that was being reused was parasites. I put parasites in there. So I I did not even mention like, oh, if you bought parasites before or anything like that, just threw it out there. It's like, there's five courses within the membership plus you know, these other things that are, you know, you'll have access to, um, you know, like the handouts. And if you get the premium, then you've got access to me with, you know, Q&As on Zoom twice a month. What do you got confused by that? So if you can clarify for me, you have your main courses uh, available for one-time purchase, like Goats 101 and, you know, et cetera. And then uh, you also have, on top of that, the membership which is a certain dollar amount per month to have access to, which has different courses, almost like mini courses, if you will, within that. Right, yeah. The only thing, and I told, and I actually, and this may be helped too, because I the last time 
um, I sold parasites. I said, this is the last time you will be able to buy lifetime access to the parasite course. It's going to be rolled into my new membership program, which is going to launch this fall, which will be available on a monthly subscription basis. Do you require people who purchase the main course to like that's separate than the membership, but how do you promote the membership? And if you do like how, what's the pricing positioning there? If you don't mind me asking. The membership, the basic membership is $19 a month. Um, the premium is $29 a month. And then you get two months free if you pay for it all up front. Ahead of, you know, if you do a year in advance, you get two months free. Got it. And then if somebody purchases Go to 101, for example, do they even, do they get access to the membership as well? Or that is that an additional sort of separate, separate thing that's separate? Yeah, completely separate. So Goats 101 is, Goats 101 is completely separate and lifetime access. The birthing course, completely separate lifetime access. Because both of those are like, well, Goats 101 is like seven hours of videos and the birthing course, I think it's like nine or 10 hours of videos. Mm-hmm. They're both really excessive, excessively long. I feel like in the online course world, they're really big. That's great. Do you offer for people who purchase Goats 101 any incentive to get membership? And and how soon after they get that do they, or how soon after they purchase do you, if you do, sort of mention the membership and, and get them in there? So the membership, I've only made it available. It was available last September at four at all four levels I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and now people can still get the monthly basic if they want, but the only way that they can get the annual is to, is to get it in September each year. And Goats 101 is just evergreen. It's out there for anybody to buy at any time. And, oh man, this is, this is, this is great. Who, who did you learn membership site stuff from? Kind of just from listening to everybody. You know, I had shiny object syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it worked out in this case. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you and Amy Porterfield um, are two of the big ones because I took Amy's um, Digital Course Academy. DCA, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then I've, I've done some of your courses, Rachel Miller's Moolah for, you know, helping to learning to promote things. What membership platform are you using? I'm just using my Teachable um, site for that right now. And then I do Zoom. I use Zoom for the Q&A calls. Oh, okay. So Zoom takes place of the sort of community component. That's where people are seeing each other, having conversations. And I would imagine, is there a, is there an online sort of text-based chat component to it too? Yeah, there's a Facebook group. And I also created a separate group on Mighty Networks for people who are not on Facebook and don't want to be on Facebook and would always email me and say, well, I'm not on Facebook. So that's why I did the Mighty Networks thing um, so that because that is completely, totally private. Like there's no advertising on it. Mm-hmm. You know, people can just sign in there and ask questions on there if they want to. Deborah, I'm, I'm, I'm inc- incredibly impressed and, and very inspired. I think this would inspire a lot of people who are diving into courses uh, for the first time or even have courses who want to understand how they might be able to put a membership component into that and start to manage all that stuff. If there's one more thing I can ask you, that would be, well, what is, out of all the things that you've learned, probably the number one tip that you would recommend for somebody who's sort of about to follow your footsteps? You know more than anybody what it takes to do. Uh, and, and so speak to us who are just starting out in this world. The first thing is that as soon as you have a website, start collecting email addresses, because I try I try not to think about it, you know, that like my website was out there mm-hmm. getting like 30,000 visits a month for five years. And I was not collecting email addresses. 
So, you know, when I look at the fact that I've gotten 6,000 email addresses in the last three years, you know, I just think, oh my gosh, where could I be if I had started collecting those email addresses sooner? Right. <laughs> and then the next thing too is I wish I would have started a podcast sooner <laughs> because I, I was always, every year in January, I send an email um, to my followers and say, you know, what do you want to hear? How do you like to learn? And they would always come back and like podcasts would be at the very bottom you know, 30% of them would say that they would like me to have a podcast. And then, you know, I heard you say enough times that like, you can get new followers through your podcast. And I kind of started to think part of it was because, so I've got 450 articles on my website, 125 are about goats. I have pretty much written almost everything there is to write about goats. Like, you know, there's a few things that come up sometimes. I'm like, oh, I can write about that. But for the most part, I'm like, yeah, I think I can, I think I've written most of it, you know? So Mm -hmm. really a struggle for me to get more than three or four articles, even like in two or three months, like doing an article a month just was not happening anymore. But since I started the podcast, I mean, that's just opened up a whole new world to me. And a whole bunch of new people. Like there are people out there in the podcast world who are just waiting for a goat podcast. It's crazy, right? I mean, there's yeah. there's all kinds of podcasts. There's wooden boat podcasts, there's trains podcast, there's goats podcast. And just so proud of you and everything you've done, Deborah. Thank you for that encouragement. And, and I hope this is exciting to people. Stick around. I have some final thoughts here. But Deborah, I want to wish you well. Keep up the great work. Tell us all where we can find all your great stuff. You are the greatest of all time, the goat, in my opinion. (laughs) Thank you. So um, I am all over the place as Thrifty Homesteader. So my website is thriftyhomesteader.com. I'm on facebook.com slash thriftyhomesteader, as well as Instagram and Pinterest at thriftyhomesteader. All the right places. Uh, Deborah, thank you so much. Appreciate you and, and all the best. Thank you. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Deborah. Again, you can find her at thriftyhomesteader.com. Lots of amazing lessons. What was your biggest takeaway? I just want you to think about that right now for you and your online course journey. Online courses, as you know, have been a big part of my life over the past three years and uh, over at SPI Media, SPI. It's just been the number one way that we've been able to help people. And I remember when I first started even hearing about online courses, I had a lot of people in the audience, podcast listeners, maybe like yourself, who were asking me for an online course, even though I didn't have one. I was just doing affiliate marketing at the time and I had loads of people ask, yet I was always pushing back. And the reason I was pushing back was because I didn't think I was good enough to create an online course. But the truth is you don't have to be the expert and you don't have to be the first to market. You just have to create something that resonates with your audience that will solve their problems. And even if you're just a few steps ahead of your target audience, you can help them and they will pay you for that. Or at least get into your email list for something like an online course. And truth be told, my first online course was a companion course to my book, Will It Fly? So it was a free course, which by the way, converts 53% of readers into an email address, which is just incredible. And if you're on that list, if you download the companion course for Will It Fly, thank you so much. I appreciate you and I'm glad you picked up the book. And whatever the case may be, I just want to wish you all who are listening to this right now, 
the best. And I know you're thinking about starting an online course or maybe you have some already. It's a great and an amazing way to front load a lot of work. It is a lot of work to create and to sell and to validate. However, it can pay you back in loads over time. And we're gonna be leaning into a lot more content creation on our website to help you with online course creation. Just head on over to smartpassiveincome.com and you can check out more. Actually, in fact, I would recommend checking out the show notes page because over time we'll continue to add more resources there to help you with your online course journey. Smartpassiveincome.com slash session 421. Once again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 421. We at uh, SPI Media, we are here to serve you. So thankful you're a part of the crowd and just wishing you all the best. And can't wait, I can't wait for the next episode. So make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already. We got a lot of great stuff coming your way. Once again, big thanks to Deborah. And let me know what you thought about this episode. Hook me up on at Pat Flynn on Instagram or Twitter. Let me know what you thought about this. And uh, for those of you who have gotten all the way to the end here, if you wanted to take a screenshot or perhaps a photo of where you are while you're listening to this, I always enjoy those. I'll give you a fist pump back and just say, uh, wanna say thank you for listening all the way through. And final words, of course, as always, you're amazing and Team Flynn for the win. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI and today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.